Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to another episode of Editor's Note. I'm Jonathan Hassan, the Editor-in-Chief of TV7 Israel. And joining me for yet another episode is uh, my dear friend, Michael Karam. Uh, Michael, how about you open with prayer and then we uh, immediately dive into today's topic. Yeah. So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before uh, people, viewers uh, from around the world that are following the situation in the Middle East, but specific, specifically the situation of Christians and uh, others who, and Muslims who've come to faith in Yeshua. Lord, we want to lift up their situation first, Lord, and ask you for that, Lord, the church around the world would show solidarity. They would show, Lord, uh, their, their love and their care. They would be praying. They would be supporting. They would be standing uh, in advocacy for these, these uh, Christians that are under persecution. Lord, we thank you for the message that we read in the New Covenant Scriptures. Much of it took place within the context of sometimes even persecution and uh, people being placed in, in, in jail. So, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. And, Lord, we recognize your sovereignty and what you're doing around the nations is significant right now. Lord, give us wisdom and understanding as we stand with the persecuted church around the Middle East. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, thank you, Michael, for coming back. I'd like to uh, actually communicate with our viewers today about the fact that uh, after the last program you were here, uh, in which we discussed uh, the uh, our persecuted brethren mm. in uh, Muslim majority states and beyond, also of course, uh, uh, we have received such a great response from so many believers who really want to get in, involved and. Uh, mm stand with our brothers and sisters in the Lord and, and really uh, be a voice for them, uh, both physically and spiritually. Mm. And uh, after praying about it, we communicated and we had the opportunity to uh, develop a, a new program, a new program. Uh, the working title is My Brother's Keeper. So uh, I, I find this uh, title to represent uh, of course, it goes for brothers and sisters, but uh, right. it, it represents uh, mm. our responsibility for our brethren. Right. And uh, as such, uh, we uh, uh, just actually concluded the first recording, uh, which will air next week. So uh, stay tuned for our first episode of My Brother's mm. Keeper. Uh, you're going to host a program, and the first person that you interviewed uh, all the way from the United States is Pastor Andrew Brunson, uh, who was uh, widely covered also on TV7 Israel News and uh, uh, elsewhere around the world, who was incarcerated in Turkey for widely political reasons after the uh, the coup occurred, of course, and, and he was uh, used indeed. Uh, it was used in order to basically pick him out, put him in prison, and use him as a pawn also uh, in the face of the United States, but also to to somehow suppress uh, the Christian and, and uh, the, the body of Christ in, in Turkey. Um, give us a little bit of insight. What, what are we to expect in those programs? Right. So we want to focus uh, mostly on situations like Andrew's. I mean, uh, his case, actually, even though it's a very small church in Turkey, uh, what happened in Andrew's case really brought the the, the whole situation of uh, of religion, freedom of religion, the as you said, the body of Christ in Turkey, right to the forefront. 
And uh, Andrew himself, um, you know, was a pastor of a small church, but he had he had some influence around the country. He was he was active in his faith, but he'd been there many years, 25 years. He was committed to the people of Turkey. He loved the land of Turkey. And yet you're right, he was singled out, and he didn't even know why in the beginning, uh, for, his, for his faith, uh, because of the situation that was going on, they wanted, uh, they wanted to trade him. He's, uh, he was open about that. He, was, he called himself in the book, God's Hostage. He realized that that was part of the reason for his imprisonment. But more than that, he wanted, uh, he, he wanted to make sure that he remained faithful in his primary calling, and that was to uh, basically be a witness for Jesus to the people of Turkey. And he was there with his wife, Noreen, and their family for 25 years. So we want to look at stories like Andrew's, ones of people that actually were on the ground, whether they were expatriate believers or whether they were those who, who grew up and lived in the lands around this time. We're going to try to focus on those stories so people get an understanding. What's it like for these people? How can I stand with them? When, when Yeshua says in, in Matthew 25, he says, when, you, when I was in prison, you, you visited me. When I was sick, when I was isolated, when I was alone, you came. How can we practically, spiritually, how can we be involved in standing with the persecuted church Amen. in the Middle East? Amen. Yeah, and, and there are so many people, uh, so many stories mm. uh, that uh, people become believers. Uh, right. I, I know so many myself, uh, uh, know them personally, uh, of people who, who found Jesus in prison uh, in addition, in, in addition. Uh, addition to so many things, but yeah. uh, uh, this is part, you know, so many people are, are talking about, yeah, I'd, I'd like to become a missionary and, and go to Iraq. And last time in the previous program, of course, we spoke about uh, uh, Tony, who, who was killed in Iraq right. um, and uh, was buried here in Jerusalem afterwards. But uh, there are so many people who are all the time communicating about the will or desire to do so, right. but this comes at a cost. This is a cost right. that, you know, Jesus is speaking about is in the Bible. Right, and I'd like to point that out. I mean, even, Jonathan, you know my, my own story. You were I incarcerated came, yourself. I was incarcerated, but more than that, I, I, I felt, I believed I had a call to the Middle East. I came to the Middle East to, as a Jewish believer uh, to work in the Muslim lands. It was a bit unusual. Uh, most people said, you can't do that as a Jew, uh, but yet then I saw in the scriptures that calling at the same time, you know, as Jewish people, when we come to faith, yes, we go through some experience, some rejection, isolation, some more than others. Depends on where you really grow up. If you're in the Western context, I was in a, I was growing up in the North America. It wasn't a, as it was. There was a cost, not the same cost, maybe in the Muslim world. So I understood what I was getting into and what I was asking them. But many times we might have people from the West or different countries going into the Middle East, wanting to share their faith not realizing that what they're asking for these people to do is basically to give up their lives, their family life, their perhaps their, even their, their prospects of a job, a, a wedding. They even give away their physical inheritance often to come to faith. Mm -hmm. So this cost that, that, that people have to pay for following Yeshua in this part of the world, whether they come from a Christian family here or from a Muslim family, if they're going to be active in their faith, they're going to pay a cost. And oftentimes people from the West don't really understand the cost that they're going to have to pay for this. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to make your viewers aware of. What, what's that cost and how can we stand with them? And how can we even prepare people maybe to go into this part of the world to serve the Lord here and to, to really be a part of the good news of the kingdom in this part of the world? Indeed. And Presenting the good news mm -hmm. to cultures who do not want right. 
or do not identify this as good news is uh, something quite challenging at times. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, I know when my father spoke with his mother Mm -hmm. the first time after my father became a believer, uh, she asked him, uh, do you want me to be like those Christians down in the village who uh, spit and curse and do all those kind of things? And she asked him a, a valid question right. uh, and uh, realizing that, okay, what are we as a body if right. not uh, in a position to bear the gospel, to bear the good fruit mm-hmm. of the Spirit in order to represent mm-hmm. truth to the nations. Right. One thing that's important, too, that when most people from the Middle East look at Christianity in the West, okay, because it's it's not the only place, and it's not really a, I would say, it's not a Western religion. It's a Middle Eastern faith. Mm-hmm. It's It comes from here. It comes from the land here. But when they look on the media in the West, they get a very different impression than actually when they first meet a real follower of Yeshua. That's one thing. So it's important that people come here and represent, okay, look, we're not like what's in the the movies and everything like that. This is important. And the more I read stories of of Muslims who have come to faith in Yeshua and others in, in the Middle East, the more I think, wow, I met a real believer here, and it was so different than what I saw on television. And that surprised me. That, that, that was something I didn't expect. The other thing that I believe is important for your viewers to understand is that the Middle East is very much a corporate society. It's not an individualistic society. And so the fruit that we're talking about, what they need to see in this good news of the kingdom is they need to see how does this work out in communities. In other words, Yeshua said, they will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And how can, they, how can they know that love unless they can see it? Right. In other words, it's not just a message. They have to see it lived out in their midst in a community. So as we in the Middle East are living these small communities of believers, and we're, you know, we're obviously a minority within a majority uh, different faith, we have to walk this faith out in a very real way here. And so, in fact, coming here to the Middle East and even experiencing you know, the, the body here, you know, is, is something different than it is in the West or in other places because it, it's a corporate worldview. They want to see how do you live this out? How do you love one another? Mm. How do you actually put what you believe into practice? And in a, in a sense, that's very important for Muslims to see here in the Middle East. And of course, uh, when, when we're talking about Muslims, there are different types of Muslims and right. they don't agree with each other. No, they don't. Uh, be they uh, uh, Sunni Muslims or Shiite Muslims or Alawites or, or whatnot in Whatever, the whole context. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they, they look at the West as hypocrites. Right. In many cases. And then also uh, with just... Uh, recent news, uh, mm-hmm. you know, several months back when uh, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan came and, and changed the cathedral, uh, the uh, uh, what's the name of the cathedral? Hagia, the, Hagia Sophia. Hagia Sophia Hagia into a, a mosque. Church. You know, I looked at it and of course it's frustrating to mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. But when I walk in the streets of Europe, I see churches who are, which are turned into bars, turned into mm-hmm. cafes, into mm-hmm. restaurants, into party halls. Mm-hmm. And we're frustrated about what they do in Muslim uh, countries, while mm-hmm. at the same time in Christian mm-hmm. countries, at least mm-hmm. declaratively so, mm-hmm. we don't realize that those beautiful churches are turned into something else mm-hmm. because the people who are supposed to fill that are empty. Mm-hmm. They have lost faith in, in what uh, brings them life. 
Well, in, in, in many ways, you're right. I mean, the, the, the focus or really the concentration of the biggest groups of Christians has more switched, actually, from the West to the East and to the Global South. Yep. So the biggest churches you have today actually are maybe in Asia, Africa, South America. And so the focus and really the concentration of the most active uh, evangelical believers probably is more in the global south and in the far east today, which is an interesting chip that this is going to cause, I think uh, this is going to have ramifications even for the next wave maybe of missions into the Middle East. But still, the West has a very important place in the eyes of the world because of the media. Mm. And they can't get, you, you can't get away from that. So the, the church in the West still holds a prominent place because of freedom because of the democratic freedoms that are guaranteed. And this is what people in the Middle East are looking to the West for, and people in the, in the Far East, they're looking to the West for. How are we going to use our freedom? This is, for me, this is a central question for Christianity right now in the West. We've been set free, but what have we been set free for? For our own personal comfort, for our own mm. personal pleasure, or have we been set free to serve one another, as Galatians says? So really the question right now is about freedom especially in many elections and many places that are going on in different regimes. How are we as believers going to use the freedom? Are we going to use it to build our own kingdom or are we going to lay our lives down for the kingdom that is now and not yet, the kingdom that's to come? Yeshua, who gave his life for us, will we follow in that path that he's followed into or will we use the freedom that he's given us for our own personal gain, for our own personal kingdom, for our own personal pleasure, our own personal comfort? Or will we follow him on that narrow And this analogy can also be portrayed within the context of Israel. Right. When we're talking about Israel, the apple of God's eye has been chosen. Chosen for what? Mm -hmm. If not to proclaim the name of the Lord. A light to the nations. That's our call as a nation. We've been set free. You know, look at the two main parts of the Bible, both the Tanakh and the New Covenant. The main message I kind of started to see as I looked at and I lived here and I've traveled is, from slavery to freedom, both, mm. in the, both in the Tanakh and in the New Covenant, from, from slavery to freedom. And people are looking not only at the West, but they're looking at Israel as well, mm. because they know this is where the story started. This is where it began. And this is where it started. This is where it's going to end. So what happens here, you are right, in the rest of the Middle East, they're watching us. They're watching this nation mm. to see how these, how these things go out and how they work themselves out in everyday life. Now, let's go back to my brother's keeper as... Uh, right. I think to a certain degree, this this program has so much to offer. Mm. Uh, as we're living in days of spiritual warfare, which are combined with uh, or projected in the physical, mm-hmm. uh, it's not the other way around. Right. You know, sometimes we think, okay, it's happening in the physical. Yeah, but what are what is the background to it? What is the reason to it? Right. When I communicate with certain people about uh, different, you know, strategies and and. Uh, political uh, aspirations and, and ideologies behind uh, actions. Even, uh, you know, you spoke about the coup uh, in 2016, which uh, preceded the uh, the, the uh, incarceration of uh, Pastor Brunson. Mm-hmm. We're, it was at the height, two years before that, was uh, the, the declaration by Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Islamic State. About the Islamic State. Dawlat Islam bil-Iraq wa bilad sham which means the... the uh, Islamic State in Iraq and, and the lands of Sham, the right. uh, uh, Damask, right. the, the from, lands from of Damascus, even to the old kind of uh, Levantine period of the, that part of the. Correct. It means the that they wanted to conquer mm-hmm. 
when we're talking about Lebanon, Syria. Uh, it, it didn't stop there. It, it went, you know, they, they wanted to stop it. And uh, people started in the West translated into ISIS, mm-hmm. Islamic State for Iraq and Syria. No. Yeah. It was ISIL, and during the Obama administration, surprisingly, they were very emphasis on that because they wanted to conquer also Israel. They Mm. wanted to conquer Jordan. They wanted to conquer the entire region. And don't forget, uh, Wilayat Sina Mm. in in the Sinai Peninsula Mm -hmm. is the uh, Sinai province Mm, of Syria, of ISIS, of ISIL. Okay, so you suddenly have something that they declare themselves. They state themselves their goals Mm -hmm. of what we intend to conquer. Mm -hmm. And then the West says, no, 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 no. You mean Iraq and Syria. Let let me translate to you what you mean. Instead of listening carefully and understanding what their intentions are. Excellent point. So in... In my brother's keeper, mm-hmm. we want to come and present mm-hmm. what we understand mm-hmm. from what is said. Mm-hmm. What are the challenges at hand? Right. How can we stand with the body of Christ in the Middle East right. and beyond? I mean, of course, we cannot shun the situation in uh, Cuba or in in uh, North in Korea or or everywhere. Right. Okay. There are plenty of of our brethren who are persecuted for the single reason. That they believe in Jesus. Now, let's focus on on the the aspects that occur here in the Middle East. Right. I think I think that's a an excellent point because the Middle East, obviously, we know, and and you know, there 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 are not just issues of religion here. There are issues of nationalism. There are issues of control. I think we sometimes tend to put. Um, too much on maybe one of those without understanding the spiritual principalities that are at play here. And basically, the you know, let's, let's just say it very openly, the enemy's purpose is to manipulate, dominate, and control. Mm. And, and that is basically to bring people under a place of fear and submission. Not freedom, but fear and, and submission to, their, to a totalitarian regime. Now, obviously, religion can be used in that, in, that, uh, in that arena, but these are principalities and powers that have existed for a long time, and we know that these have not, you know, they don't disappear. I mean, God's sovereign over the spiritual principality world, and he allows them, for some reason, freedom to operate for his purposes. That's still something that is one of the mysteries, really, of the gospel, mm. and really of, the, of God's redemptive work on earth. But these principalities and powers that exist in this part of the world are very real. And when somebody comes to faith, in a sense, you know, uh, we, we, hear this, uh, we hear this spoken about sometimes. Andrew will refer to this most likely in his interview, is that when somebody changes their faith, when they come to be a follower of Yeshua, and they're active in their faith, they become a threat to national security. Now you think to yourself, this doesn't make sense. They're such a small minority. We as a, 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 the body of Messiah around the Middle East are, are quite small. I mean, some countries we kind of get up there around 10%, like in Egypt. But in general terms, we're a minority, a very small minority. And yet we're perceived as such a threat, even to the point of national security, which means this is a kingdom. There's a kingdom message here that's eternal, that really is, is in a sense, in some ways we laugh about it, but in some ways it's true. In the, in the unseen world, we are a threat. And so when people come to faith, they become a target. And this is what I don't think most people understand when they come to faith. Wow, maybe I had another battle before, now I have a new battle. But the principalities and powers that rule, they rule in this place of fear and, 
and intimidation and, and, and manipulation and control. And these are, not, these are not easy things. But when the church starts to pray together on behalf and support and advocacy, all of a sudden people say, well, I'm not alone. Because isolation is part of that. They get encouraged. They get emboldened. They now openly speak about their faith. So, the, so having a program like this that, that gets people to pray, to become advocates, to contact their government, to give maybe even practically, says, speaks a very clear and loud message to the body of Messiah in the Middle East that's important. I'm not alone. People are with me. Mm. I'm not in this. I'm not isolated. And that, that, is, that is something that we're commanded in the scriptures and that people often miss, but it's very important. I must say uh, that the, the advocacy or uh, the demanding mm. your government to, to be accountable right. for our persecuted brethren in the Middle East mm. uh, is something that actually works. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, uh, uh, we won't go into too many details, but I can uh, refer to uh, the fact that the United Kingdom During uh, the uh, time of the Islamic State, where it controlled, uh, you know, the Ninveh Valley and and all kind of areas there, it uh, executed numerous operations Mm. to keep the Islamic State at bay so the Christian brethren could flee the area Mm -hmm. before they take it over. So uh, it happens on multiple occasions. Of course, you know, that was a uh, good physical example. That's I mean, a good physical <laughs> example. But there are also many situations where uh, governments lack the authority. Mm. Uh, and I'm not talking about the authority to execute, but the authority to, or, or I'll, I'll call it the will right. to execute. Right. Uh, a political will, uh, the uh, uh, thought that this might bring ear rather than support on the political level. Mm -hmm. So when you have significant groups standing Mm -hmm. and demanding accountability, this will bring uh, a change on the ground that ultimately uh, can bring uh, better realities for for Christians to to, uh, feel free about, you know, developing Mm -hmm. uh, in certain areas. And, And it seems like the current situation is such a, a challenge for so many believers. It is. Uh, that, it is. Uh, by the way, also in Israel, mm-hmm. there is political challenges from left and right mm-hmm. for Christians in the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're talking about uh, a television channel that was uh, shut down recently uh, for allegedly uh, proselytizing and, and not staying true to its contract, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, which apparently proselytizing is illegal for non-Israelis. Uh, and if you are an Israeli, you will be persecuted by uh, specific organizations within the ultra-Orthodox community who are financed mm-hmm. by many people mm-hmm. in order to advance that. So uh, there's plenty of that here as well. Yeah, you know, I think you're, you're, you're bringing out an important point and that has to do vis-a-vis the political structures in the Middle East and the body of Messiah and how it's changing, how it's growing, how actually many Christians are starting to leave the Middle East. And this is a big problem. But also we have a newer group of those who have come to faith from Muslim background. And uh, it's the the body of Messiah is changing. And one of the, these changes has created a somewhat of a political problem, whether it's Jewish believers coming to faith in Yeshua or it's Muslims. 
the Middle East and most of the time governments rule in the Middle East by the idea of the status quo. And we've talked about this before, but this is the idea that you're, you know, you're born in this box, you were raised in this box, you'll marry in this box, mm. and you're going to die in this box. And if you try to get out of this box, we're going to get you. Right. And so this, and this has to do with this idea of freedom. And as believers, I don't necessarily, you know, it doesn't seem like Paul, you know, when he's getting persecuted, he doesn't often stand on on his own you know, he doesn't like defend himself so much, but he does defend others. He does stand on, he encourages, the, the word is true, that we're to stand with our brothers and sisters. Even if we don't stand on, we're to lay our lives down for others. In fact, that's the thing that marks us as true followers. Are we willing to lay our lives down? Are we mm. willing to sacrifice something for our brothers who are being persecuted? Right. Okay. And this is an important part of the whole, I think, the whole trajectory of our program with My Brother's Keeper is that will we use our freedom to stand and to lay our lives down, to give, mm -hmm. to support in prayer, to do advocacy and defend our brothers in the Middle East that are being persecuted? And love one another. And love one another. And love one another. And uh, I, I make, uh, I, I need to make a, a correction to a certain degree. I can't compare Israel to other right. countries in the region because we have more freedoms um, here because than most there are countries plenty here. of more freedoms here yeah and the persecution is done in, in other ways even though right. sometimes also physical um but that principle the status quo still affects us here it affects us very much here we also middle easterners here right it, we're, we're west on the top places. we're middle easterners underneath <laughs> right well um nevertheless we're drawing near to the end of the program so mm -hmm. how can we prepare for those programs right you know uh, in my reading of the new of the new testament scriptures it's amazing to see the context of many of paul's letters they're all in the context whether he's in prison or he he wants us to you know stand with others and remember those in prison or he's talking about a church that's under pressure or he's promising persecution or he even says hey through many persecutions and trials you'll enter the kingdom of god mm. so i just want to encourage your readers when they're reading their scriptures take note take note of what yeshua says about these things take note of paul's circumstances and what he's going through and some of those things and how even in persecution if we respond together correctly, it can actually serve the purpose Amen. of the gospel more than against it. So just, you know, as you're reading your scriptures and you're praying and everything, and, and we're going to give them some, some tools as well, some organizations maybe even to think about, hey, look at what they're writing, visit their website, check, what they're, check what's going on, here's some things to read. You know, along the way, there's of course the list that uh, we made right, available to many people who actually send the requests right. to our email uh, info at uh, tv7israelnews.com, which is still available. So uh, whoever wants to get more involved proactively uh, beyond prayer uh, can do so, and we will also uh, communicate and cooperate with those organizations ourselves uh, yeah. through the my brother's keeper and and. Uh, really develop that in order right. to stand by our brothers and sisters throughout the Middle East. So uh, thank you so very much, Mike, as well. We're uh, running out of time, and uh, uh, it's important what, it, what is, it is program it is. It is very important, and we often think that maybe prayer is a small thing, but prayer is actually a really big Amen. thing. Amen. Amen. So this. keep this program in prayer. Thank you so very much for joining us for another program and, uh, of the Editor's Note. And uh, we look forward to having you join Mike, uh, for the next program or the first program of My Brother's Keeper. Shalom.
Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.